0: Uh, let's get ready to
1: rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet, he'd have got there, Rabbits. more I can I can wait. What about Andrew King? Put him in the second. Put him somewhere! He's too good for this game! And that is it. The season draws to a close. 2021 is in the books, and it's a, a year that I don't think will ever be topped. Supercoach were behind the eight ball from the word go when it comes to Peter Volandis and his rule changes. Therefore, I think it threw the scoring way out of whack. 2022 should see everything sort of come back to normal a little bit. We're not going to have performances like Tom Travoy, going scoring 200 every week. And speaking of Turbo, 229, a new Supercoach record. Uh, if you wanted to go a little bit bold this week and not captain him, it definitely wasn't the week to do it. Uh, it was looking like uh, Brian Toto, 160 loop, was on the cards, but Turbo has absolutely smashed that out of the water. And someone that smashed the season out of the water ended up ranking uh, around the 100th rank, ranked s c my host for today. How are we, mate? Wonderful, mate. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it's always good to look down at that season rank. Where did you uh, exactly finish up? One hundred on the absolute dot, on the dot. So you can't. Can you claim a top one hundred finish? Are we yes, calling? Are we calling a hundred top one hundred? Top one hundred. Well, put it on the resume. Also, mate, this is uh, our first recording since uh, we announced the news next year.
0: Yeah, we've kept our lips tight for a, a good few months now about it. Uh, it's out of the bag. Dual, posi- dual position podcast
1: uh, in twenty twenty two. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, so nothing's changing. Uh it'll still be basically under this feed so that people listening don't have to go subscribe to a new feed or whatever. It's just going to be a rebranding of the current podcast we're listening to now. But yeah, Brew is going to be joining us full time next year. Pre-season we'll be pumping out content maybe even up to four times a week depending on on Brew's life, but regular season I think we'll be sticking to the to the two a week, uh, a Sunday or a Monday whenever we can do it. And then uh definitely a a midweek one. We'll have to work out the dates and stuff, but plenty of exciting things to happen and, and really keen for, for next year for you guys that like these shorter podcasts we will be breaking them down into segments so i will upload them as um minis i guess if you want to listen to them there but they will be the longer forms about an hour i think that's what we're going to go for isn't it mate
0: yeah mate i am so pumped uh, for this and the the mini pods, I think they'll be good. Um, sometimes, you know, I can attest to this. Sometimes you don't have time to listen to an hour podcast during the week if life gets a bit crazy, but if there is something in particular that you do want to pull from a podcast, having that availability to you, I think it'll be a big plus for our listeners.
1: Yeah. Still a bit of planning to go on, on, on our end personally off, off screen and off camera. We'll have to work out sort of how we're going to structure the show and stuff, but the preseason podcasts, I'll be honest, I probably can't split those up because we'll be talking about a fair bit in detail, but definitely in the season when it comes to captains or buy, holds and sells or whatever, we can break those up and and move forward. Uh, I'll be brutally honest this week, guys, um, I can't be asked to talk about a round review because there's no ramifications for next week, we're done. So we'll we'll, we'll quickly touch on Turbo, Um, obviously 229, the record is broken his own record by three points. Uh, I think this is four scores above 200 this this year, mate. Uh, we saw Cody Walker get 203 in the last round last year and thought that was astronomical. And then, as I said at the start of the show, Supercoach were behind the eight ball a little bit when it comes to the rule changes, and uh, Turbo's taken full advantage of that.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a pretty crazy season when, you know, you're getting asked questions during the week by a DM, hey, should I loop like, Brian Toto got 160 points. That's a loop every day of the week, isn't it? But not in
1: 2021. It's ridiculous, yeah, because you, you just think, like, 160. 162 years ago, that was, like, the supercoach talking point for the next month. Like, this year, no one remembers Brian Toto's 160. And that happened a couple of days ago, and we, we just we just forget about it. This year, mate, though, there has been four scores over 200, three of them by Travojevic, Uh, There's also a plethora of 190s as well. So you've got Turbo going 191. uh, You've got Pappenhausen going 197. You've got Garrick going 199. You've got three scores from Turbo going over 200. And then obviously Nathan Clear is 225 against the Titans. Like It's just a season that I don't think we'll ever see again for Supercoach unless more rule changes happen mid-year. But I guess the good thing is that this year was probably a little bit of a trial and error for for the Daily Telegraph guys because the rule changes did happen Sort of after the season started, it made life hard for them, and you you expect these huge scores to happen.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they um, do in terms of the rules and the salary cap, because obviously this this season will have an impact on next season too. Because Tom Chaboyev could cost one point three million dollars to start next season, and if he does, yeah, I, well,
1: yeah, it's going to be it's going to make, make preseason picking very very interesting as well. I think there will be some overhauls a little bit. Um, considering the the salary cap and whatever. Also, one thing that we haven't mentioned, Tim Moody, uh, a.k.a. the Shady Lurker. Uh, Timmy from the Supercoach Experience uh, podcast, it was never really a contest, was it? I think he ended up winning by about 460 points, and that's the biggest margin I can remember.
0: Yeah, that's a massive margin. I, I think someone won by a great distance many years ago, but it's weird. You know, it's a tale of two seasons. Last year, I was talking to Tim Williams, you know, every five minutes during that final day and he he was, you know, stressed and like I was stressed for him and this year, basically, we we knew last week that Tim had a pretty insurmountable lead and, you know, you can attest to the fact that he was pretty chill over the weekend. You know, he wasn't overly stressed about the matter and, well, good luck to him and congratulations.
1: Yeah, I had a phone call with him about six weeks ago and, and he was he was a basket case, and, and, and understandably, like it, you've hit the lead and, and it looking like a real possibility. But it, even Timmy will attest to the fact that he just became very mellow over the last three weeks or so, realizing that if he's going to lose, it's going to come by some miracle. Like not not not, not if he's going to lose, it's not something that comes from him. It's something that comes from someone else doing something outstanding, uh, which I think yeah. is always always the best place to be. Um, speaking of round reviews, mate, we're gonna pull up our our histories for the year. Uh, we'll talk about sort of how we went where it sort of went wrong, where it went right for you, uh, vice versa, pretty much from from the word go, uh, anyone that I brought in was was just a an injury crisis waiting to happen, I flipped and flopped all pre-season about Brian Toto versus uh, Brian Kelly, and then the the initial news was Toto was going to be playing inside of Stephen Crichton, so that really put me off him originally, and I ended up going Brian Kelly, who got injured round one, so fantastic start there. We shift to toe. uh round two. We we kicked off pretty well. Um, the first month or so for me, mate, I was I was inside the top one thousand and and looking pretty comfortable up until sort of Anzac Day, where I'll touch on where it went wrong from there. But I guess the start of the year, mate, how did how did you get off on the front foot?
0: Uh, I'm just trying to bring that up now. My app is having a meltdown. I put on I put, uh, on I put
1: on I put on Instagram while while you're grabbing that. I put on Instagram what were some of the better calls that I made this year, and a lot of people did mention. Um, Jaden Braley to start the year. Not many I guess outlets were were vouching for Brayley to start the year. I think it was a Watson uh, and maybe little combination. And I was pretty pretty vocal on the on the Brayley train which worked out well. Did you start with, with Brayley? Uh
0: no. I didn't own Brayley all year actually. Uh I wasn't so much on that train. Um I knew he'd start well, but I was really worried about Kaylin Pollinger's impact when he returned, so I avoided him. Um just looking now, I scored uh, it looks like I guess scored thirteen hundred in the first round. Hold on,
1: no. Yeah, score. I scored I scored twelve ninety nine exactly, which propelled me to an overall start of six six and a half thousand. But the first round for serious players isn't yeah. isn't an, an issue because we know the teams target it heavily.
0: Yeah, thirteen forty three was my round one score. Uh, I can't remember my exact rank after round one, but I was well inside the top thousand from memory.
1: Yeah, so it shows you how close it was because I scored twelve ninety nine, so I was only fifty points behind you, and there was five and a half thousand ranks between us. So, round one never really an issue. Uh, round two, I pulled out with a with a good twelve hundred and twenty, which propelled me sort of the top three thousand. And then ever since there, I sort of I, I went on to to be inside that top one k for the next three or four weeks. Um, I'm sure. Like, how did your season as a top one hundred finish yourself? Did you did you sort of hit that point and and coast? Or did you make a late run? Did you fluctuate in and out?
0: Um, Once, so looking at it, my round two score was 1109. So that's not that flash. I think pretty much from round, say, I think it was round four or five, um, I started getting consistently good scores. Um, And once I cracked into the thousand, I think I had a real big week and I jumped, I think I jumped into the top 400, I think, and then, once I entered the top 200, I pretty much fluctuated between more or less rank 100 and rank 250 for the remainder of the
1: season. It's funny that you mentioned round four or five was your turning point. It was it was my turning point as well. Uh, round four ranked 1,000. Round five ranked 1,000. Round six, we ranked out at 2,500. That was where the the downward spiral happened. Made a couple of, I would say bad, not not bad decisions, I did captain Brian Toto pretty early in the year. Uh, I think the Panthers had a pretty good matchup and and Tottenham didn't fire as well as he wanted to, and I think Teddy may have gone huge, which, if we remember, Teddy had those fantastic first two-round scores of 100-plus, and then, yeah, gone a little bit rogue on captaincy, and that's something that you and I will touch on next year. If we're going to go pod, probably captaincy isn't the way to go, but, yeah, ever ever since... uh, I'll be pretty transparent here. Ever since round eight, I didn't get back inside the top 10,000, so I think that was a, a week where... Whatever round the, the Anzac Day round was, I captained Tedesco um, when he did get the HIA from Jordan Piero. And that was, that was I think, downward spiral from there. It was just hard to claw back.
0: Yeah, so it looks like round four was my turning point. So round four was when I made that move that we've discussed previously to trade Teddy, and I brought in Pappenhausen, and he got 197. Uh, I think the following week, I captained David Fafita, which not many people actually did captain him that week. Uh, and I think he got 160-something that week. Um, and pretty much from there on in, I think I only had two or three scores, uh, captain scores that were, say, between, I think, say, 78 and 90. Um, the rest of the season, my captain scores were all those scores, those top scores this year from Turbo, I captained all of them. All, all of Cleary's monsters, I captained them. And I think I captained both of Fafida's monsters too. So yeah, it's so just,
1: round, yeah. round three, Papenhausen went for 197. And yeah, then round that. and then round four, uh, Fafita went for one forty seven. So not not about two weeks for you.
0: Yeah. So th- that was those two, and I, th- I think I doubled down on Fafita in round five, and I think he got uh, round six. It would have been. I think he got seventy eight off the top of my head. Yeah, seventy eight. Um, he got that week. So that wasn't a great one. Um, and I actually, it was funny. I had the vice captain that week on Cleary. I remember it was a Friday night, and he went nuts and scored one twenty five, and I didn't loop. Um, but when I did the sums, not looping, I would have actually been worse off if I'd looped. I can't remember who it was, but whoever I was going to pull out went nuts that week. So it's just ironic. I think sometimes in super coach, you know, you ride your luck and luck's on your side. And this year I seem to get a lot of that luck.
1: Yeah. It just shows you how sort of consistent you have to be. I, I'm looking at my graph here at the moment and you've got obviously your score versus the average score. And in 25 rounds, I had an average score above. Sorry, I had a score above the average 14 times out of 25, um, but still sort of floundered. I, I guess the way to look at it is I still finished better than one in five people. But for someone that that makes a lot of content, it's obviously not where you need to be. You, you need to be higher up in those rankings. But we move on from from Teddy. Uh, we captained him the, the week of the HIA, which, which wasn't ideal. And then it sort of went downwards from there, round seven, round eight. I looked at round 13 and said, if I'm going to make up ground, we're going to target this heavily. And, and we bombed a lot of trades getting a big round, a round 13 team. Obviously, Cody Ramsey is, is infamous on this on this podcast. We, we brought him in. We brought guys like Fisher Harris in. Uh, we brought guys like Bradman Best in, Zach Lomax as well. I brought Lomax in the week that he did his thumb. So the injury injury curse struck there. From, from sort of your captaincy points from round four or five... To, to the buy planning. What was the strategy moving into there? Did you target the buyers heavily or did you sort of just, just say, look, it's a week that I'll, I'll, I'll throw under the under the mat and keep going forward?
0: Um, I tried, I tried this year not to go too crazy. I tried not to trade in players that I wasn't really that keen on just because they played the buy. I, I went more for, okay, he's a real good player and he's a borderline keeper who I could potentially keep in worst case scenario beyond that point. I'll take him. The only time I didn't really do that was on the round of the bye. I said, Matt Dufty, I can't remember who he was playing. I think it was the Broncos. I'm going to take this. This is going to be my move. I'm going to make this move. I'm going to captain him, and we're going to see what happens. So I did that, and he scored 165, uh, 156. Um, so that was a massive captain score that round. No one else really came close to that. Um and I think I cracked 1,000 that week and, and I did have a big rise on the first buy round.
1: Yeah, first, first buy round for me as well. Uh, I I had uh, over 1,000. I think I had the 350th best score for the round or something like that. So that that put me back up, uh, but not as much as I needed it to be. I think I clawed back maybe four or 5,000 spots. But as I said earlier, still outside that top 10K. And, and after making mass trades to, to fill a buy, you're obviously left with a a team that isn't ideal. So moving from round 13 to round 17, we're still behind the eight ball. We're still of the, of the mindset that we need to target by rounds heavily. And that's when a lot of the trades burned out. We used all five. And I think by round 17, I may have had six trades left or something like that. And it wasn't ideal. Uh, we had made two trades every week apart from the first week as well. Um, so that got you on the back foot. And this is the thing. like It's all well and good, I think, to... To look at this as a negative season, um, but there's definitely some some tactic points that we can use from this. I know a lot of the guys making content out there wouldn't have had a season as poor as this. So you can take from that, can't you? Like, you can say that, okay, well, we tried making mass trades. That didn't work. We tried getting in left field players. That didn't work. It's, it's strategies that we can use for, for 2022, mate.
0: Yeah, but it also shows a few things. Like, you look at the content providers and, you know a lot of them have had high ranks and a lot of them had poor ranks. That's just super coach. Some, some years you just don't get it. Like you've got runs on the board. You've got top hundred finishes, like having a bad season. Well, we've all had a bad season. I finished like 15,000th last year. I just, every single move I made, the bloke got injured the next week and I just couldn't get out of that. That was me
1: this year, mate. That was, that was exactly
0: me this year. And by the end of the season, I, I think that final round, I had like nine players, like, whereas this year I had 20 players to choose from. And, and, Yes, there was a slight tactical change, but I also made a lot of mistakes this year. Like my hundred's great, but I could have finished in the top ten. And I, I'm not saying that to be big-headed, but there's just a few fifty-fifty calls that I made and a few decisions that I made that maybe I didn't think through, and they're the difference. They are literally the difference between me finishing a hundredth and me finishing in that top ten. Like I chose, I chose to get Cody Nikarima over Daily Cherry Evans for the mere fact that Cody Nikarima played the buy. Now, you look at that in hindsight and look at the last six weeks that DCE's had, someone who obviously I would have played week in and week out, that is hundreds and hundreds of points when I've been forced to play guys that you would not play. Like, I've been forced to play Matt Tomoko or I've been forced to play Tevita Pangai playing 20 minutes off the bench for the Panthers. Like, there, it's a massive amount of points that would have made me, you know, have the season that you'll never, ever replicate to one that's Pretty damn good, and I maybe I won't replicate a top hundred again. Who knows? But it's just those little things.
1: Yeah, exactly. That, it is. It is skill. There is some skill to it. That's why you do see the guys have consistent decent scores. I'm not saying I'm I'm fantastic, but I have two top one hundred finishes and three top one thousand finishes. Um, you've got a couple of fantastic scores. Like you've got other guys out there that do have consistent top scores. So there is some skill element to it. But if you bring in someone that gets injured first, first five minutes, like nothing stops that. Like we can't, we can't change that. But I guess the, the thing a lot of people will remember at the end of my season for obviously taking a lot of screenshots, making a lot of visual graphics for myself, uh, trading out players and then bringing them back in, whatever, just so I can take screenshots of their profile or whatever. Uh, I think we, we traded out Brian Toad for Alex Johnson when he was on his like massive run. And I just want to make a post about AJ and then I think I forgot I forgot to hit reverse changes. So one, we traded out Toto the week he went 100 plus and, and we were stuck on AJ, which is like, it's fine. It's AJ, who cares? But I left AJ on the bench and before I realized it was lockout and that was over. So um, always check your trades, guys. I, I obviously was doing it to make make a post, but always check your trades. That's that's a bit of advice we'll give. I know you can check your super coach many times throughout the year, uh, sorry, throughout the week, but... My advice, and I think Bruce's advice as well, at about seven thirty, set an alarm, set a reminder, whatever you want to do. Uh, but seven thirty on a Thursday, make sure that you're checking your team over once again to make sure that nothing's changed or whatever. Have you have you had any horror stories about that, or, or even even a near miss?
0: Yeah, well, I had one actually, and it would have cost me a fair amount of points, and that was this year. And this is when. We all do it. Like we try and leave our trades to the last minute, just in case. We like to see that 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 name lame, that named on the team list when like an hour before play, if it's possible. And I did that. So when I reversed the trades, I wasn't paying attention. And what happened was I dropped Cameron Munster out of my side altogether. And that was the week Cameron Munster got his highest score of the season. So <laughs> that that one cost me quite a few points. It was actually the only time that I really stuffed up in in that kind of manner this year, though.
1: Yeah, not ideal to, to leave out a playoff. Um, mate, from this point on, my season's done. Uh, no trades left, dead in, dead in the water. Relying on guys that I, that I wasn't too keen on. So I guess give the, the listeners a rundown of how, how the last couple of rounds panned out for you.
0: Yeah, no problem. So by no means did I have a perfect strategy this year. Like you mentioned that you were out of trades. I was out of trades in round 20. So I went five weeks without trades. But... I planned, somewhat planned ahead because I did a lot of moves during the year that I would not normally do. Normally, I made a lot of money through fullback. I kept rotating the fullbacks. As soon as they hit their peak, I was selling. Um, I, I mentioned it a few podcasts ago. I think I've had eight or nine fullbacks this year, but that's where I generated all of my cash flow. And I mean significant cash flow. There was a period of time where I was always having four or 500K in the bank just because I would trade. You know, I traded Teddy at eight ninety, and I brought him Pappenhausen for 600 or something like that. And I traded um, Latrell down to Ponga and that made me money. And after those two moves, I had a massive amount of dosh. I did the same thing when I brought Matt Dufty in. can't remember who I traded out, but I made hundreds of thousands of dollars on that trade. Rather than looking at my side and going, I'm going to trade Tino Faso Amali out or I'm going to trade Stefano Udicamano out. I went and traded out an NPR. So I went from bottom dollar up to Fafita. Like I literally went, I did that through the year. I traded a bottom dollar player up to Fafita. I traded Jock Madden all the way up to Brian Toto, pretty much at his peak. I brought in, um, I think it was Ruben Garrick or AJ. I can't remember which one. I brought Suwali all the way up to them. And I did that because I started the year with NPRs which is something I don't normally do. I normally go for a full squad because injuries happen and then you know you down players. But I started with three MPRs this year and I tactically made the money to turn the MPRs into the right players at the right time, um, built a squad. So that when the time came that I ran out of trades, it was a tricky period because the injuries were so immense that I was only playing with 17 most weeks. I only had 17 to choose from. That's not ideal, but once the players came back in those last few weeks, the last two or three weeks, I did have anywhere from 18 to 20 players to choose from, and in these last few weeks, I've come back to scoring really big scores after having a period where I was probably just on the average, and therefore I was fluctuating in rank by like 20 up, 20 down most of the time. But come the final round, obviously, I went up massive. like I went up over 100 spots this week. ...to then finish at a 100th. So it's just how you... ...how you manoeuvre it... ...and if you're going to make a decision... ...just have a plan in mind. Um, you will... ...in the preseason, you ...in your mind you'll have... ...you'll have a plan... ...but you will never stick to that... ...because the early rounds are too hard to judge. But by f- rounds four to six... ...I reckon you need to start generating a plan for yourself... And then that's your tactic for the rest of the year. And that's what I did this year. I turned my NPRs into guns. I had a score of 25 for the majority of the season. I ran out of trades, yes, but I could cover that. And I held on. And I even made up ground at, at the finale.
1: You made a lot of points there that I jotted down on my phone that we'll touch on. First things first, you said injuries. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Because I remember looking back in my team in round eight, round nine. And I thought, shit, I'm like four players away from my dream 17. I'm sweet. I've got like two weeks of trades, and I'm in. I've got the cash there, and it just it just was relentless, wasn't it? It just felt like one person went down after another, after another, after another, and and we were left. Yeah, like I said, we went. For, I went from round eight thinking I needed four more guys to complete my team to round fifteen. My team was in shambles. Yeah. Uh, the next point you made was having a plan um, as well. I think that's that's key. Don't be locked into that plan. But have a set idea. So if all things go well, um, look at how you can get players in, get players out. You and I are both pretty FPL-orientated uh, with our thinking right now with this part of, this, of the year. Have a transfer planner. Have your team written out. Have have it worked out. All right, I want to go from player X to player Y. How do I get there in between? It might not work out. They might get injured. They might have a poor week. The pricing in Supercoach is quite volatile, isn't it? Like It's, it's going to swing immensely and if you don't have the money there it is hard but have a plan but don't be stuck into that plan uh and another point that that you made there was just i think trusting your gut is a big one um mm. we, we we look yep. at it we look at it very very similar where you you and i i don't think we we didn't know each other from a bar of soap back in round four or five but i was on the teddy cell train so were you you pulled the trigger yep. I, I didn't and that's i'm it. not i'm not saying i'm not saying that that's gonna equate for for 18,000 rank spots, but it just shows you that if you trust your gut, then then you're good, another gut call that I made, and a lot of people will know this by now, uh, round six, I said buy Ruben Garrick, after he had five poor weeks, I, I said when Turbo comes back, he'll be he'll be good, I didn't expect him to be elite, that's what he was, but if you buy Garrick now, you will succeed, I didn't buy Garrick, and, and we look at what he went on to do, uh, another one of my poor calls was Nico Hines, he only has two weeks on the shelf life, don't buy him, we know that now that some injuries went in his favour, and that went another way. So yourself, you owned Hines and Garrick, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, um, I looked at I looked at Garrick um, pre buy. I didn't end up getting him till probably just after the first buy. I think N- uh, Nico Hines, I got as soon as Pappenhausen went down. As soon as he went down, I said I'm going to risk this. Uh, a worst case scenario, maybe he comes back in the buy, and then I'll I'll flick him. Um, but I risked it and he, he killed it from day one. And I was a bit, I didn't think Pappenhausen was going to come back in the time frame that they said. And that was a gut call. That is, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I just looked at that and said, there's no way he's back in two or three weeks like they're saying. He'll be out a month. If he's out a month, four weeks of fullback points for 250K. Yes, please.
1: The problem was with that whole Heinz-Munster, yeah, no, Heinz-Munster-Pappenhausen scenario was Papp did his AC joint the first week. And that was a two to three week injury. We know statistically it's a two to three week injury. That's fine. Like the, the, the stats were there. I'll, I'll live that. But the fact that when Pappenhausen came back, Munster went down that, that week. So that gave Hines even more shelf life. It's it's the Matt Burton situation, isn't it? Like Matt Burton's another one of these guys where I just thought there's just no, there's no not enough time for you to be relevant here. And then when someone came back, someone got injured and then he made the spot his own. So then when Munster was back fresh, Uh, That's when Papenhausen went down with the HIA. and It just freed up so much room for for Hines, and if you jumped on it like you did, you would have reaped the rewards tenfold. You mentioned cheap players there as well, mate. Um, It's it's crucial to pick the right ones. Just because there's a cheapy name doesn't mean we have to pick them, does it?
0: No, absolutely. And I think one thing too is, I guess it kind of ties in with going with your gut, but try not to buy into hype trains. Try not to buy into other people's hype. Charlie Staines, cough Charlie Staines. Trust your gut. Like, yeah, I know. I wasn't that high on Charlie Staines because of that price. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, he had two good games, and everyone's calling him the Bugatti or whatever the bloody hell they were calling I him. I think he,
1: and- if, if, he was, if he was like 50, 60K cheaper, I would have been all over it. But the fact that he was like 330K, I want to say, and, and that, like, he just didn't display enough base in the, in the trials that he had put him obviously hindsight's fantastic we'll, we'll get back to what we were talking about um having the, the right cheap players you went with with the good cheap players not buying into the hype i bought into the hype of jackson to pine uh trent barrett in many press conferences come out and said that he's a he's a star he's a gun i love him so i bought jackson to pine to free up some cash and saw maybe five or six games for that for that point for the rest of the season so it is important to pick the right ones isn't it
0: yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too is there's there's more than one way to make cash too. It doesn't have to be a bottom dollar rookie or a no, 100%, 100%. Or a cow. You, you can get a mid-carder who you think's going to you can get a fallen gun who you think's going to jump back into form or you can get a mid carter that's, you know, maybe starting and they don't normally start. There's other ways to make cash.
1: And depth as well. I remember I think one of the first episodes you and I did together, the first or second episode, um, you were ranked about 250th at the time and had no trades and you were like oh shit I just want to hold on for the top 500 but having that depth allowed you to play um you weren't you weren't locked into 117 each week like a lot of teams were they 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 said okay I've got a fit 17 that that'll have to do whereas although you were out of trades you still had the option to be flexible on the bench didn't you
0: yeah, and I think I said at the time too that I actually held Toto because I had a feeling he was going to be back for the either the semi final or the grand final, and that that would be a huge advantage. And that is exactly what happened. He's killed it both weeks.
1: Look, we'll we'll touch on preseason tactics in three or four months when I have some time off. But first, initial thoughts: center wing one, Brian Toto is he a must have round one?
0: Um, him or Garrick.
1: Yeah, I think I leaned slightly towards. I don't. Know, I'm going. Someone clip this up and then send it to me next year. But like, surely Turbo can't sustain what he did this year.
0: Um, it depends on the if, rules, the, score, if the if rules the scoring's the nerfed.
1: Team. Yeah, exactly. If
0: the if the scores the sorry if the rules are the same, he'll just keep on keeping on. I think.
1: And then that makes Garrick nearly must have. I just I don't know what the prices are going to be like. There's, there's just... going to be pl- plenty of guys that will touch on when the team picker comes out. I think the minute that mm. that prices are released, you and I are straight behind the microphone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess that's going to round up the season as to how we went from an individual standpoint, some key points that we can touch on um, to maybe use as strategic next year. But we'll break down, I guess, the team of the year, uh, position by position. There's going to be no surprises here, guys. Um, At Hooker, I think we both have Brandon Smith, don't we?
0: Yeah, Brandon Smith, definitely. Um, You know, you can give a shout-out to Harry Green, I guess, but he just didn't play enough footy. Um, to really be in that conversation. Brendan Smith had a freakish season.
1: Average-wise, Harry Grant was 5.5 points better than Brendan Smith, uh, but it's the fact that the Chiefs played 22 games. Uh, he also you know, he had just under 1,500 points, and Grant had less than 1,000. Grant, for the average, when he played, fantastic, but we just need to see him on the field more and more. And, yeah, I'm... I'm... If you want to go bold, not not bold, but if you want to spend money in the forwards next year, you can definitely handcuff the two of them, because we can see we see when Harry Grant comes off the bench, it doesn't really affect him, and and Brandon Smith gets through a lot of work at thirteen. So I don't like Brandon Smith as, as an eighty-minute hooker. I, I don't think he has the base there. He's obviously the the, the bigger try-scoring threat, but when he when he scores tries, he goes big, and when he moves to thirteen, he has a good workload. Uh, another one I think was tough. If he played a full season, I think he would have taken this award. and That is Reed Money, only played seventeen games, um, was three hundred points less than Brenner Smith, had a slightly worse average, but a couple of those were injury affected games. I think Reed Money had a fantastic year as well.
0: Yeah, and I love Reed Money too. So I always speak very, very highly of Reed Money. Uh, he definitely. I actually forgot about him too because he's been injured for quite a while now. But yeah, he had a ripper season uh, and big future ahead.
1: It's funny that we talk about Brandon Smith, about how good he was this year with a 68 average, and how poor the next man was. Damien Cook, 65.7. He was only 2.3 points below uh, Brandon Smith. I guess it's just the standards that that Damian Cook sets for himself.
0: Yeah, well, Cook was... The problem with Cook was he was either getting a ton or he was getting 40, so it was the inconsistency. But the days that he went big, he did go big.
1: Moving on to front row forward, I don't think we have any surprises here. Uh, The first two rounds, he started off the bench, but made that back row spot his own, and being a dual position option, Isaiah Papalii was the centre front row forward, in my opinion.
0: Yep, and a man that I did not own all season
1: long. All se- not once, jeez. Nope. Not once at all. What was the thinking behind that?
0: Oh, early on, I didn't think that he could sustain holding the position. I just figured that he was just going to drop out, going to drop out, and then he didn't. And then by the time he had that spot locked in, he just cost too much money at the time. I had other areas that I wanted to focus on, and then I was planning on getting him on the super try, uh, super trade round, and that just didn't end up eventuating. I had a choice between him and Fafida, and I chose Fafida, and maybe it worked out okay in the end. Um because Fofito had a couple of big ones in there. But yeah, I just could never squeeze him in. But it just goes to show that with that, I don't think forwards a spot that you there's a must-have. There's people that you should own, but I don't think anyone really is an absolute must-have in the forwards.
1: No, look, I, I, I do agree. I was playing up with the idea of running uh, Payne Haas and Adam Finnell-Blake next year, just from the word go, but that was just a, a thought, and I don't think the money's going to work. Look, it's not as close... Hooker, there was a couple of shots you could put in. You have got Harry Grant. You've got Reed Money if he was fit, whatever. But Isaiah it was ten and a half points clear of the next best option, which was Payne Haas. Who, let's not forget, didn't start the season fantastic, did he? Like he was, he was entering Tamalolo territory.
0: He finished it bloody well. That oh, yeah. I enjoyed One, watching him over the last month.
1: Once once Lodge left and once TPJ left, um. Yeah, I think Kevin Walters had no option but to look towards Payne Haas to be like, you need to take two hit ups a set and and throw the ball offload or do whatever you got to do. And yeah, and his he scores, his score skyrocketed.
0: He might actually be a risky one to start next year too, after his injury on the weekend. He'll be touch and go for week one.
1: Synesmosis, um, looking mm. like a a six to seven week injury if he has the surgery, uh, similar to what Brian Toth came back from. But we don't know how preseason is going to be affected. I would be looking out for trials uh, before Payne, mm. Payne Haas. Look, yeah. we, we've got Luke Thompson as well. I just think too much, Luke Thompson was too much of a liability. Played 15 games this year and wasn't injured. Uh, I think that was all, all due to suspension. He he looked good in patches with 66.5, um, but uh, I'm not too sure.
0: Yeah, just different levels. He's not on that level. He like, he, he, he had a good season, but I, I wouldn't have said that he's had a great season like the other two did.
1: A guy that always passes the eye test, but I, I say didn't translate to super coach. He still scored. He still averaged 62. James Fisher Harris, you, you think watching him, he would just he would have averaged closer to seventy points.
0: Yeah, he's just one of those nuts and bolts types players. He just gets in there and gets it done. So you don't always notice all the good that he does do. But I think the Penrith Panthers think he's one of their most important players, and that says a lot in in such a champion side.
1: Mate, mate moving on to two RF, uh, you said that you didn't go. Papali, you end up going for Fafita, uh, an average of eighty five point zero. But I don't know how to feel about Fafita personally. It's it's. It's tough. He scored 91 on the weekend, but I think he had two tries or maybe a try and an assist or, or something. I don't know what to to make of his season, personally.
0: Yeah, he got two tries on the weekend. Um, he he looked good in attack, but again, he didn't go really searching for that ball. He was just on the end of a couple of great Titans plays. Like, he was the man that capitalised. The first one, it, he basically played centre for, and he had an open try line. And I can't even remember this. Oh, the second one was good. The second one was him doing a dummy half barge over.
1: Yeah, it's a standard for feeder. Look, he was owned by 48% of teams, so I think that made it easier to, to have him in the squad. But next year, if the prices are high, you can make an argument to not have him if you don't want to go for those rocks or diamonds.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'll start with him, to be honest. I, I've got a new strategy in mind for next season, but I'll keep that to myself.
1: We have touched on Isaiah Papali'i. No need to run over him. He was the second-best-ranked 2RF. Uh, but number three, and this was a guy that I was so huge on, I set his line at about 80 for his average. Um... He just—he only played 18 games, so he missed six games this year, but he's beginning to rack up quite a bit of a judiciary record, and, and I think that's a, a bit of a slight against him. That's Angus Crichton, as, as a Chooks fan, mate. I thought this would be Angus... Uh, look, I, 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 I'm going to talk about him like he was a disappointment. He still averaged 74.5, but I thought this would be the year that he really exploded.
0: Yeah, but what would have he scored if Kiri and Co were there all season?
1: That's And we'll never know that, and unfortunately for the Roosters, that's the thing. But are we going to take a flyer on him next year? Because he's going to be priced uh, very similar to a Lee and, and a little bit less than uh, Fafita. Is it worth taking him, knowing that if he gets put on report, that's probably four weeks on the sideline just with his record?
0: Uh, I'd probably, at the moment, take him before I'd take Fafita.
1: Fair, fair. How about number four, Cam Murray? 70 average this year. I think he looks really good at the back end of the year. Him and Cook weren't really clicking to start the season, but moving into the into the season, I think he really, really solidified that. one Joe arrow moved to the back row and it wasn't taking minutes away from Murray. I think he looked really, really good.
0: Yeah, I think Murray's just the bloke that you buy 10 weeks into the season. He seems to start, like, okay, but not setting the world on fire. And then by the back end, roughly around origin time every year, he just clicks it up a gear and looks like a different player.
1: We say, we say that he had a fantastic end of the year. Five round average of 80. So it just shows you he was he was clicking into his gear. Uh, he's always lethal around the try line. Either he'll he'll put someone through or go himself. I, I really like him. And we'll touch on one more, mate. Tohu Harris. I'm avoiding Tohu next year. Coming back from a, a pretty serious ACL injury. Uh, Mr. Consistent. I just don't see it being the case next year to start the year. Similar to Victor Bradley, how he started the season pretty slow.
0: Yeah, huge avoid for me. That's a very serious injury. And, um, you know, he's not getting younger. I know he'll have a lot of, lot of you know, probably work rates still, but I don't think he's going to score enough to warrant the risk.
1: Now, halfback, there is two names and two names that stand alone. You can make a case for Daly Cherry Evans, the fact that he did score more points than Cleary, uh, but he did score more points in seven more games, but the average was 30 points less. It's just got to be Cleary, doesn't it? Yeah, 100% it's Cleary. Like,
0: obviously you're talking about Cherry Evans, but Cherry Cherry had a wonderful season. I, I'd say it was probably one of Cherry Evans' best seasons, actually, in playing at halfback. So that's a credit to him. But Nathan Cleary's a different mould. That guy's a freak, absolute freak. Like... Whether you're talking NRL or you're talking Supercoach, he he's just keeps going to different levels as a player. Like I think he's, I saw a stat that said that he'd won 33 or 34 of his last 36 games or something. That's unheard of.
1: The one thing that I don't want him to lose, and I'm not comparing Nathan Cleeter to, to Mitch Moses whatsoever, but three years ago, we were putting those guys in the same breath for Supercoach standings. The one thing that Moses I really liked about Moses is his ability to take on the line. And and he lost that. He's be, Moses. Become more of a traditional halfback in the sense that he will put kicks in. He will get a lot of try assists from kicks, but not line breaks or break the line. Cleary is is the best halfback at taking the line on, and I just I don't want him to lose that ability.
0: I don't think he will. I see Cleary more like an Andrew Johns, and I see Mitch Moses more like an Anthony Milford. And I don't like Milford might not be the right comparison, that's, but <laughs> that's a so fucking I... road. <laughs> Savage mic drop by Brew there. Oh. Um, no, no. What I meant was like he's an enigmatic player. So you know those enigmatic players seem to have years where they're just you know flying high, and then eventually they nosedive, and and that's kind of what Moses has done. Like where's Moses banging out tons every week like he did a couple of years ago? It you mean you mean happened.
1: more you mean more for Supercoach, not not the NRL, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Mitch Moses is the top five halfback in the NRL. Um, I'd be very happy to have him at, at most clubs. For, for Supercoach though, wise, yeah, I, I do agree. It's, it's very hot and cold. Um, you mate, did have your, him, mate. Uh, what was that? I said you did have him, mate. Yeah, we we didn't did. We, mate, we, 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 we had half the confidence. We, we let him go. Mate, your boy, Luke <laughs> Keery, um only played three games this year. We should get him at a pretty cutthroat price next year, thankfully. But averaged uh, 75.3 in the three games he put up. And one of those was was injury-affected. We look at these two 80 minute performances. He put up a 70 against Manly and 123 against the Tigers. Oh, where do we. Can we get around the idea of not starting with Cleary and starting with a discount Cleary? Having a full. The, the thing is, he's not rushing back from preseason. He, ha, he didn't have an injury in round 20 and he's pushing the clock. He's had all year to get over this and he's going to have a full preseason.
0: Uh,
1: it's probably. Too early to tell. Already in my mind, I'm
0: thinking Cleary and Turbo are going to cost absolute fortune and that you can't afford both. That's what I'm thinking in my head to start with. On the surface, if you had to pick one, you'd go, okay, well, 100% you pick Turbo because you know, Turbo can bang out, you know, three double tons in the space of six weeks. But then I also think in my mind, well, you know, what if I went Cleary and then I had say Pappenhausen and a discounted Tedesco? a Tedesco with a full kit back too at the Roosters. Then suddenly it's like, well, Teddy can come pretty bloody close to Turbo's ceiling. Pappenhausen can come pretty close, especially if goal kicking to Turbo's ceiling. Then all of a sudden I'm like, hmm. And this is what we're going to have to talk about in a few months' time, obviously, during the preseason once the pick is out and we have the scores. So it's just so hard to tell at this point
1: in time. I know that he's a fucking grub and he's a piece of shit. I can't stand watching him. But and he's going to be out for the first two weeks of the season. But I think we're sleeping on Latrell Mitchell here as well. I mean, Latrell averaged like 83, and he's going to have the goalkeeper next year as well. So he's another name to throw into the ring. Whether I go there is a different story, but there's there's some options to have if you want to go risky and, not, and don't go turbo. It's going to throw up a lot of money.
0: Yeah, Latrell's your ponger from this year. They're not available at the start of the year, but if you stuff your fullback spot up, you might be able to make a move right in that round four, five part.
1: So yeah, uh, Cleary, uh, sorry, Kiri stocks for twenty twenty two. Are we, are we, are we uh, liking him? Sorry,
0: uh, I don't mind him. Um, it'd be, I think I think Walker will play beside him, and I think Kiri will play a more dominant role. Um, and he's obviously got, you know, he's got great options outside him. Tedesco follows the ball. He's gonna have Angus Crichton off his hip. I like it. It depends on his price. But if I went there, he'd probably be my backup 5'8 and not my primary 5'8 in case I had to you know, have an exit plan.
1: You're also going to have Sam Verrills who's going to be having a full preseason as well. Not not uh, worried about that injury, same as Victor Radley. The Roosters get a lot of, a lot of troops back and I think people forget just how dominant the, the Chooks are when they have a full side. Moving down the list, mate, a guy, I'm, I'm not too sure what it is. He averaged 73 this year, but I can never ever get behind Jerome Hughes. I don't know if that's a... A personal thing, but he's pumping out scores left, right, and centre. I think I could get behind him after this year.
0: Um, oh, I just, he's not one of my favourite players, and sometimes with Supercoach, I like picking players that I like to watch. Like, I like picking Cody, even though he's a dickhead on the field and he acts like a grub. I love watching him play. Like, when he tears a side up, it's it's wonderful to watch. And if you have the added bonus of getting those super coach points, it's wonderful. But Hughes, I don't know. Like, he, there's just so many people in that Melbourne side that do stuff. I don't get as excited when I watch Hughes play. So, I would definitely consider him. Um, but he's probably not high on my list. I prefer Cherry Evans.
1: I am very, very cautious of Ben Hunt with the emergence of all these Souths. uh, Sorry, all the Souths, all the the Dragons rookies. Um, one more person I'll I'll put to you. I think Matt Burton is my Jai Arrow of next year. The big, uh, the bigger void.
0: Yeah, I'm not touching Burton at the Bulldogs. I, I might touch some of their Bulldogs forwards. Um. Because I think there's an option there for someone to become a super coach gun with, you know, with Vaughan and Pangai and all these blokes coming in. Hetherington, if Hetherington starts on an edge after the game that he just had yesterday, like, there could be options there. Um, although I'd be fearful owning Jack Hetherington because him and Kane Evans have got to be the two biggest nutcases in the NRL. Um, but yeah, it's an option. Burton, but yeah. no. Burton, yeah, no. no. But, I definitely but, will but, not Burton. say
1: it. Burton, I, I, would, I would be avoiding a little bit. Moving on to... Just on learn, bo- sorry, you go. So I was gonna just, sorry. Um, I was just going to
0: say, learn your lessons from this year uh, with, was it Wakeham? The dual centre 5-8 that everyone was so hot on. I was never touching that bloke because I was like, no way, I'm not touching a Bulldogs player. If you think you're going to get points, you're not. Just think like that. Even though Burton's a weapon and the Bulldogs might get better next year, if he gets better, then get him. I wouldn't be getting him to start and then having to trade him out.
1: Burton, Avarillo... Yeah, I put posts up about these guys in the preseason, but it was more of a case of just like, I'm just going to put a post up about them without too much standing behind them. Moving into 5.8, mate, your boy Cody Walker. The reason I'm so hesitant on Luttrell is because there's going to be a big gap at number 7, and I'm a little bit cautious about spending the money on Cody Walker when there's no natural number 7 there. If he's relying on Milf to be his primary playmaker, oof. if we're relying on a young rookie, Lachlan Elias, who we saw on the weekend, he looked good, but I'm not too sure if I want to be spending 750 800000 on my five-eighth. It's got some unknowns.
0: No, at, at this point in time, Cody's probably not on my hit list. So I don't know how South will go minus Reynolds and obviously Latrell won't start the season either. So they'll be down a few. Uh, Milford as a halves partner kind of scares me, especially if it's a seven, he's more of a six. We, we saw him fail trying to be a seven last season. Um, and if it is Elias, um, you know, he could be an option. Um, and if I was going to take him, then I wouldn't need Cody so much because I'd already have a south player
1: the unfortunate thing is I look down on the Sun I do see Anthony Milford here but he quietly averaged 55 this year which I think is going to rule him out of a pro- out of a potential pickup next year if he does play 7 for for the Rabbitohs I think he'll be too expensive to look at moving into number 2 coming off a partial ACL tear another one of these guys I'm probably going to avoid next year Adam Dewey despite how good he was
0: uh, yeah, probably a wait and see. But God, I would love to own him. I didn't own him this year. Love watching him play.
1: Number four on the list, Cam Munster, seventy four point one. Cam Munster doing Cam Munster things. A nightmare to watch if you don't own him. Always looks like he's going to break the game open, but never really did. But a consistent scorer. I'm probably not going to go there next year. I think there'll be a couple of decent, cheaper options to to move out, move at, move at in the five eighth spot. But you and I are both in agreement that the halves this year for the team of the year is Cleary and Walker.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. Cody Walker. No arguments. Not not Sam. Center wing. Now, this is... I think we're going to have to have one premium next year. Like, looking at it from from an outside, I think we're going to have to spend the money on one person. The years gone by, we've always gone cheap. It's always been dirt cheap position. Let's just fill it with with a bunch of nobodies. But next year, there's two names here that stick out. We've touched on them. Ruben Garrick, Brian Toto. I think you and I are both in agreement, though, that Ruben Garrick has been the best center wing this year.
0: Oh, yeah. Look at his point-scoring record this year. He's had an amazing season. A- and it came from left field. Like, not, you-, you could ask 100 people at the start of the season who would be the best center wing this year, and no one would say Ruben Garrick. So, for that reason alone, it's Ruben Garrick. Like, people thought Toto would be the the top guy this year, or at least, you know, one of the top guys. So, it's not really a shock for Toto. But Garrick came from the clouds and had a wonderful season. Like, that try that he scored oh. on the weekend. Oh, sorry, that try that he set up on the weekend they were two of the best
1: two of the best tries of all time in the space of 10 minutes
0: yeah and that's what i was gonna say like i've seen some good tries like where you know it's just a little bit of toss the ball toss the ball toss the ball and then kick a little bit you know but that as a pure try end to end was brilliant it's definitely i think the best try i've seen in my lifetime
1: we say Tottenham gave it a fair shake-up. He averaged 3.5 points less than Garrick, but did play six games less. The thing about Garrick was he played 24 games. He played every game available. I think he played every minute as well, and and he did a fantastic job. A very good goal kicker, added a lot of points there. No surprises there. Um, I'll get you quick thoughts. I, I'm not really going to discuss anyone else. Uh, Alex Johnson, yeah, cool. Fantastic try-scoring record, but 15 points off the next best. If we're going Garrick or we're going Tottenham next year, if you had to pick a team right now, who are you taking?
0: Uh, I do things a little bit differently. There is every chance I could take both. Ooh. Especially if you don't go turbo, that's going to have a lot of cash for you. Yeah, so the reason this year that I didn't start with your... Um, there was a Warriors bike. There was a Canberra bike. There. I can't even David remember who Fulcet they
1: were. David the fucking bane in oh, my, the, the the my existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although, see,
0: I don't know. I can't remember who they were because I didn't own them. I, saw, uh, I know I was, who they are because I fucking started the... I st- don't say that one. Uh I start I <laughs> I started with three gun centers. I think you'll find or pretty close to it. One of them was Brian Kelly and I ended- I switched to him late from Toto and then the very so next I. week I got I- the very bloody next week I ended up <laughs> you having and I to did get the to-o. exact same thing, mate, the yeah. exact same fucking but, thing. Yeah, I um I did that and because I did that, I didn't need to um have as many cheapies. I started with Suwali as one MPR in the center and I think I had three pretty gun level ones and I had Kirk Capewell maybe as my fourth. Um, yeah, so, and I don't mind doing that. Even if they're mids, like mid-level type guys that, that cost 350 to 400 and I stack my centers with that, I don't mind doing that because I'm in between. I can go up or down from there. So I do things a little bit differently. I, like Guns and Cows obviously is the age old, this is the way that you play supercoach. I don't agree with that. You play supercoach how you want to play supercoach. And centres have such a high ceiling in the modern game that I would much rather have a consistent centre scoring me 60 or 50 every week than Charlie Bloody Stain
1: scoring me 9 or 80. Love it. Mate, fullback, this is what we're going to spend the least amount of time on. He was 57 <sighs> points clear of the next best fullback. Tom Travojevic, 143 point average. Fucking hell.
0: Yeah. Um, if the listeners want to go back and listen to all the podcasts from the preseason again. They'll hear a lot of people saying that oh can anyone crack the 100 this year? Teddy came so close but was that, you know, the the dream season. Yeah, well, Turbo, you know, just sends you a receipt and a big FU and says, "You know what? I'll average nearly 150 for the season, piece of cake."
1: I put out some predictions in the preseason. I was like, "Who will have the highest average, blah blah." blah. I said Turbo, but I expected Turbo to have the highest average through five games because he wouldn't play the rest of the year. But the, mate, I, I think everyone's hearts were in their mouth after the, the, the Harry incident, after the shower slipping. Like, everyone was just worried that this would be another year. He'd, he'd miss oh the first... Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> hey. He's faster than... He's faster than Turbo or Tommy or whatever he oh, said.
1: God. Love it. We were all so worried about that. Like, I I know I was. I was petrified that this had just been... I I made a full podcast about how Turbo was the biggest liability in the NRL. People can go back and listen to that. It was one of the first ones I made. I I put a post out saying that he was the biggest liability in the NRL because he just kept getting fucking injured. But a full... Mm. I I say full season. He played as as much as he could have with with Uh, no... It's a full season for Tom. Yeah. The only only negative that we have on Turbo, the only negative is that when the game's dead and buried, he's not your 80-minute guy.
0: Yeah, he, he might get an early shower occasionally, but... yeah. Also, if Turbo can learn how to fucking
1: game. goal kick in the offseason, that'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah, if Turbo goal kicked, God help us all. He'll just give him the ones right
1: in front. Uh, not the not, not ones <laughs> on the sideline, just give him the ones dead in front, leave those to Garrick, <laughs> and then Turbo can just collect a, a free four points every time. Garrick must bloody...
0: Garrick must have had... How many average points did he get from goals? Uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'd have to go have a look, but
1: I, I would say it's at yeah. least 24 <laughs>
0: Because Manly was scoring 50 points every bloody week lately. So, God. Yeah, but Turbo's the king. We all know that. He's the season MVP. He's the best fullback in the game. He's the best player in the game. There's not there's not really a whole lot you can say wrong about Turbo. He, You know, he turned his paper hamstrings into cardboard this season and off he's gone.
1: Hopefully next year into Granite. And then we'll 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 kick on there, mate. We have not s- granite. Granite's ha- too heavy, buddy. Oh, whatever. We have seven minutes left. Let, let, let's run down quickly the the fan choice awards. We, we put these out for nominations. Everyone put them in, and then we we, we broke them into a top four categories: were MVP of the year, Cheapy of the year, Surprise of the year, SC Dud of the year, and Under the Radar Pick. We'll start off with the MVP. Ninety two percent of the vote. Eight uh, percent of people had their head in the sand, but a lot of them did vote for Cleary. So you could make the argument there. Whatever. Tom Trebovic. Nothing more needs to be said about Turbo being the MVP of the year. Anyone that has uh, anything to disagree with that, then, I don't know, go do one. Um, Chief of the Year. The nominations for Cheapy of the Year, mate, uh, were interesting because there were there were a couple of them. But uh, it was hard to go past the I and they got the award. Josh Schuster, Josh Curran, Reese Walsh, and the winner of the best cheapie this year, Sam Walker. Uh, all the hype in the world, but he lived up to it. Uh, yeah, and
0: I love the kid. Uh, I love the kid very much. Um, he's not my cheapie of the year, though. We did discuss this off-air. We uh, did. Who was yours? And I'll, I'll, I'll... So mine's Nico Hines. Um Obviously, at the time that you created this, you didn't realise Nico was as cheap as he was, so you didn't put him on the list. Um... No, it's not
1: that it's not, I didn't put him on the list. It was the the, the way these lists were generated was I, I left the open poll out, and that was the, the four most popular names. There were a couple of times, ah, okay. but yeah, the four most popular names. All, all these are done by... Um, everyone that, that follows me, um, so they were the four most popular names to be put into the into the thing, uh, Curran, Walsh, Schuster, and Walker. Okay, well, in that case, I would
0: say Nico Hines started the season at about two hundred and forty k, and at one point was nearly nine hundred thousand.
1: And I think, had I think, an I think that may that, made, that made, yeah. look. If I'm, I'm in agreement with you, I think I think Nico Hines probably was the cheapie of the year, but didn't get enough love. Maybe people didn't realize how cheap he was, like me. Biggest surprise of the year, mate. Uh, the four names that were put up here: Mitch Barnett. Uh, I think he was fantastic at the start of the season. One of the guys I started with and, and was very happy with, uh, Adam Dewey. I think he he came onto the scene really well for the Tigers. Uh, Ruben Garrick came out of left field. But the man that won the award with 60% of the vote, Isaiah Papali'i, the castaway at the Warriors, had all the hype in the world two years ago, uh, never fulfilled it, but came to the Eels and, and dominated, simply dominated.
0: Yeah, from Rocks to Diamonds award for him because, you know, he was... He was an unbrushed diamond, obviously, at the Warriors, and and they kind of knew that, but for whatever reason, you know, we discussed it a few weeks ago that there was problems there with the the, uh, the drink driving and whatnot, but as soon as he put that jersey on for Parramatta, he he just looked like a different beast. I must say, um, all the nominees here deserve a bit of a shout-out. Maybe not Barnett, because we've seen Barnett do it in the past, but, like, I would, never would have picked Garrick to do what Garrick did this year. Adam Dewey, I didn't know he was that talented, to be quite honest with you. I knew he was a good player. I knew he had potential. But what he showed me this year was wonderful. To the point where I sit there and go, okay, who's he going to be playing for in two seasons time when he leaves the West
1: Tigers? <laughs> it won't be the fucking Tigers. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we'll, sign, we'll sign someone. We'll, we'll, we'll sign they like Cuddy, but we'll give him 700k a year. Hoyland. Mate, under the radar pick, there was four names here. Lucian Lelua, Daniel Tupo, Reese Walsh and Matt Lodge. Reese Walsh got a lot of love here in these in these. awards. Uh, maybe it was something to do with the fact that the bloke that uh, put the list together has a soft spot for Reese Walsh. But this one was this one was the tightest of the lot. Uh, Matt Lodge had 38% of the vote, and the winner with 43% of the vote, Lucian Le Lua. Uh, yeah, another one of these Tigers guys that's very talented that didn't get as much love as probably he should have because just how stacked the 2RF the position was uh, with you guys like Crichton, Papali, and Fafita.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things. Last season, people would have noticed him because everyone owned him or they probably owned him at some point last season. But this season, he was priced at one of those points that kind of puts him, you know, hidden between the sheets and you don't pay as much attention then when you're watching the game because you probably own Nofo or Dewey. So you're following them around more than you are Luciano. And he had a great season, a really solid season. He started the year at
1: 544k. So it was right in the middle of that really gross price point. But... Yeah, yeah, 62, 62 average. Fantastic. And SC Dud of the year. The names that were put forward. And notable notable mentions for Jerome Luai, who just missed out on the nominations. He didn't get a, a shout. But the top four names for the biggest out of the year. David Norfaluma, Jason Tamalolo, your man Tino Malawi, And with 44% of the vote and the winner for this year, SC Dud of the year. Give it up for Charlie Staines. Yeah, Charlie Staines, yeah. We can send
0: him a toilet seat if you want. I'm quite down with that. Um, But, listeners, what the hell is Tino doing on that list? No, Tino had a good year. He had a very good year. All he needed was minutes and to stay at lock. The only time he stuffed up was when they kept moving him to prop. He had a pretty good year. And I owned him
1: all season. I think the issue with Tino was the fact that Cameron Smith was putting him through about 47 holes a game last year and people just expect that to happen and... And, and I love Mitch Rain, but Mitch Rain and Aaron clark they're no Cameron Smith, so I think that was the issue. The thing with Staines, though, he had nine scores below 25 this year and only had back-to-back 45-point games once. So there was just no consistency yeah. there with the bloke.
0: Yeah, well, what's the bloke's name, the Tigers bloke? Which one? Uh, the bloke that moved across. I'm having a full mental blank on his name. He's moved from Melbourne to Roosters to Melbourne to Penrith to West Tigers back to...
1: Back to you guys. I have zero clue who you're referring to, mate. Momorowski. Oh, Big Paul, Paul yes.
0: Sorry, yeah, the name went. Paul Momorowski is a much better player than he is. Like, he always should have been in in that Panthers side, like, over Charlie Staines. I don't know what the hype is. The Blake's just a a stick whippet who's pretty quick. Like, all right, cool. Like, 15-year-old me was a stick whippet too, and I was pretty fast, but doesn't mean I'm going to have any good base or, you know be an exceptional player like they were making him out to be. Whereas, you know, Momborowski's a solid player. He's got good ball skills and he's a pretty good goal kicker, you know, if Thingo ever goes down too.
1: All right, Uh, mate, I think we've touched on just quite enough, pretty long episode, longer than usual, but the last of the season, there was plenty to unpack. Uh, Really looking forward to next year. We've got a lot planned, keeping it close to our chest because I want to make sure that it happens first and foremost. Um, That we can get it all set the way we want to, but we've uh, we've put the steps in progress. It's going to be a big off season to, yeah, get it the way that we want. Um, Really happy that you're on board. I know that you're you're also just as excited.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. It's um it's been a dream. I've wanted to do podcasting for years and years and years, and the stars never aligned to really get it done. Um, I was close to starting one with Bid. at the start of this season and we couldn't get it done. I'm building a house. You know, he moved down to Canberra. So there was a few things going on. So when you came to the party, you know, the stars were aligned. I was having a great super coach season. Um, You asked me, we shared ideas. We bounced off each other. We got along really well. Um, And people probably started picking up on that listening to our podcast now we're not talking over the top of each other as much because you know i didn't really know what i was doing at the start and we have a bit of banter and stuff and that's only gonna grow the longer that our partnership you know evolves and i'm really looking forward to that it was a great 2021 Uh, i've had a great week i'm charity league champion uh finished in the top 100 uh i'm in the nfl charity league now as well for top sports so it's all happening um, in my life. It's going good and this is a big part of that. So thank you for inviting me um, to, to be your partner next season. I'm super excited and yeah, the things that you and I have obviously spoken about that we have planned for next season, hopefully we can change the game and hopefully we can provide a great service to the Supercoach community.
1: It's not easy to get started up, is it? Uh, podcasting. It, it on on the surface it seems like it's a, a plug in and and, and speak kind of thing. But if you want to do it, I guess se- semi decent. It, it does take a bit of work, and and having that second person there always helps. There's there's not a chance in hell that I could record for, well over an hour on my own. I'd I'd go mad. But uh, as you said, mate, I I I got you on. Uh, if the rent goes poor next year, uh, I'll I'll have to I'll have to dump you, unfortunately, and and find someone else to to boost me up. But no, in all, in all seriousness, there is a fair bit you and I have planned. Um, I'm in a very fortunate position where I'm not working at the moment and probably won't be working next year either. Um, just with my eyes, while they're still recovering, if they ever recover, um, I've, I've got a fair bit of time. So, fair bit invested into the off-season, fair bit of money being spent. Um, I'll be pretty transparent, guys, that are listening. Every dollar that I got from that sports bet deal uh, is being put back into the show. Um, you'll see why next year with, with what we have planned. But there, there is a fair bit there. It was quite costly to get it all, all started, but having brewed there, obviously helps the, the financial strand a little bit we are nothing's in the works yet but we are discussing whether you guys want to help out um on the show or whatnot i know a lot of you guys do want to come on weekly and, and, and whatever so we'll work out the logistics behind that but um at the moment it's brew and i at the moment that is the season done 2021 in the books uh any final words mate no, just
0: everyone, you know, stay safe, do the right things. Enjoy your time off whether you play FPL or NFL or f racing. Or... There's
1: just so much happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: enjoy the time off, but be ready. Be ready for a fantastic preseason cuz we're going to have a lot of content. We're going to have a lot of talk to a lot to talk about. Uh, and I can't
1: wait. Rip I have I alri- have already started making stuff to post uh, for the preseason uh, as of today. And- already sat behind photoshop and um worked on the graphics and well, whatnot, not not see them and, and there's some some new graphics coming that i'm pretty happy with but this is turning into a bit of a pat on the back for us I, I don't want to turn into that but that's gonna wrap it up guys uh i'm done we're done for the season i'll see you back either late december depends on when team picker comes out because what, what Bruce and i were thinking of doing is when team picker comes out we're just going to pick a side on the podcast with no real thought behind it and then we'll We'll work from there into the preseason but we'll do it all again next year guys uh my first podcast like my first year i just want to thank everyone for for listening supporting me doing how they do it um today's episode was a bit looser we just wanted to to ramble a little bit but yeah uh i thank you all very much um if you have any questions about anything fantasy related i do play every fantasy game there is out there fpl bbl racing, NFL, you name it, chuck me a message at SC Whisperer, or even Chuck Brew, I think he's chucking his hat into the ring for a couple of the, the things, and he's always down for For chat for fantasy, if you want to chat to Brew, uh, where can we find you, Legend? Uh, at Brew SC twenty uh, two,
0: Instagram or Twitter is fine.
1: No worries, guys. That's it. Thank you very much. We are out. Uh, enjoy the holidays. Have a very safe one.
0: Ciao for now.